So Money episode 1001, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Are we really doing this? Am I really opening up every episode now with 1,000 something? <laughs> Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. It was fun doing it on Wednesday, you know, episode 1,000, but, but now it's quite a mouthful going forward, huh? If you didn't catch Wednesday's episode, please go back. Listen, it's a special one. It was produced mainly by listeners. I asked, how should I celebrate the 1,000th episode? In lieu of getting some fancy celebrity to come on, we decided together to, uh, you know, share some of the anecdotes, the stories, the so money stories from listeners. So we had listeners call in from all over the world, heard their stories. We had giveaways. My children made some cameos, answered your money questions, which I thought was really cute. And they're pretty smart, it turns out. They know all about 401ks and IRAs and earning the match. I'm telling you, kids are sponges. One thing that did not make the episode was over an hour of conversation. My brother interviewed me for over an hour and it was supposed to go on the show. And when I went to go listen to the audio, it was utter crap. The audio was so bad. I don't know what happened. Honestly, it's never happened. It might've been fate. Maybe I was not supposed to air it. Kind of sad. I mean, it's, it's, Usable in the sense that I, I could send it to a friend and she wouldn't judge me, but I could not air it on the So Money podcast. It was just not quality audio. It sounded echoey at times. Sometimes I just even couldn't hear my brother. We both had pretty good Wi-Fi connections. So honestly, I don't know what happened, but what can I say? It was just one of those, one of those gaffes. We didn't bother to re-record because by then it just was we were too tired. We were, and it was going to be old. Like we weren't going to be spontaneous, no more fun. And so we just said, you know what? RIP. Thanks to everybody who supported the Wednesday show on Instagram. So much love on the social media for the 1000th episode. It's quite the milestone. I spent the morning on a podcast actually being interviewed by my friend Bethany Baines, who has a new podcast out called Working Wife Happy Life. And it's a podcast that she does in person in Rockefeller Center. So went to visit her and we recorded that, went over to then CNBC.com, filled some filmed some videos for their uh, online channel. And then I came home, hung out with my kids, totally missed my workout, ate a bagel, and now am recording Ask Farnoosh because <laughs> when you do a thousand episodes, guess what? Your work is never done. But happy to go to business as usual. Heading to the iTunes review section, as we do every week, want to say thank you to Mark. Mark751684 left review earlier in February. And Mark says that for a while now, I've set up auto deposits into retirement and savings accounts, and I've worked to grow my income, but I haven't felt as though I'm ever getting much closer to achieving my financial goals. I've made a New Year's resolution to start my to start managing my money and investments more actively and strategically, starting by educating myself. And of the various finance podcasts I've tried, Farnoosh definitely resonates the most with me. She's full of practical advice and has a personality that makes you want to listen to be her friend, unlike some cynical old men who are known in this space. Oh boy. 
<laughs> I finished most episodes feeling inspired to take steps in, in my life, and I'm grateful to have found this podcast. Mark, I'm grateful for you. Thank you so much for this review. And it sounds like you're doing all the right things and educating yourself is just, you know, cherry on top because you've got a lot of the smarts already, I have to say, Mark. And I'm honored to uh, be included in your practice to getting more financially on track, managing your money well. And let me know what kind of content you want. Send me your money questions. I'm here for you, Mark. And I promise not to be too cynical. We're going to go to Instagram and answer some of your money questions. First up is Yvette, who has a question about publishing a book. So she actually has a podcast, Yvette, called Grad School Mentoring, where she provides advice to low-income, first-generation, and underrepresented students who want to learn more about graduate school. That's really cool, Yvette. That's awesome. Really great that you're putting that out in the world. She says, I would like to publish a guide on the same topic, but I don't know anything about publishing outside of academia. Would you recommend self-publishing? And are there presses that you recommend? Yes, I would recommend self-publishing. These days, there are so many ways to self-publish where your book actually looks really sweet. You know, it looks like a a big publisher did your book. Uh, You can piecemeal it. You can hire your own graphic designer. You can hire an editor. Sometimes you can work in-house at a hybrid publishing house that will do the distribution. They'll do the cover, all the things, and you actually pay them to do the work. And then you um, do some sort of rev share when you sell. But it's very straightforward these days to go to market. You could just do an, a digital book and just skip the hardcover and, or paper cover. Just go right to an ebook. And truly, you can do that through Amazon. Amazon has its own publishing platform. And you know, I'm not familiar with self-publishing personally, but I have friends who've done it. And it's just one of those things where if you tap into the market and you talk to people who have done it, they can give you a lot of their you know, best practices, mistakes. I would find maybe some Facebook groups, people who have self-published. There are probably blogs on it. I'm not the best person to talk about self-publishing in the sense of how to do it, but I know you can do it. I know that there are a lot of resources out there. Start with maybe looking at what Amazon has because chances are that's the number one way people are going to buy your book is on Amazon. So maybe using their guidelines, their their sort of specifications, recommendations. And I know that they have a digital publishing platform, a self-publishing platform. But I would encourage you to do this. It would be so great to get your information in as many hands as possible, Yvette. I really appreciate you. And um, thanks for listening. Good luck. All right. Now we have a question from Shraddha. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. She has a question about how she and her partner are going to manage their debt together. Okay. Ready for this? She says, Hey, Farnoosh, I'm a big fan of the So Money podcast. I've got a curious financial situation that I'd like you to weigh in on. She says that she's dated her boyfriend for just over two years and they're getting serious. And she knows that I'm a big fan of talking about money with your partner before marriage. So knowing that, she talked to her partner before marriage. And here's what she found out. She found out that he has two different 10-year loans, student loans. She knew that he had student loan debt, didn't know the specifics. And so they discussed the specifics. There's two loans, two different 10-year loans that he's been paying off since 2016. One is about $28,000. It's in his name. It's about a 4.3% interest rate. The other is a parent plus loan for $38,000 in his dad's name but he is making all the payments. The boyfriend is making those payments. And that interest rate is about 7%. It's about you know almost double what the other one is. 
She says, my boyfriend has been paying about twice the minimum for the loan that's in his name and then minimum payments for the Parent PLUS loan, which carries a higher interest rate. So I heard all this and then I pulled out my calculator and I showed him how much he was paying in interest by just paying the minimum on that 7% Parent PLUS loan. And he was shocked. He had sort of let himself focus on his own loan because that was impacting his credit score, but he didn't realize how much he was paying in interest over the other loan's term. So now here's the question. They're both in the Navy. And the fact of the matter is that her boyfriend can live comfortably and still maximize payments to have the Parent PLUS loan paid off in the next two years. But on the other hand, she says, you know, I have enough in savings right now to cover half his total student debt. Is it a good idea to pay for it? And how should I go about it? She said, I was planning to put this money towards a house. Instead, now I'm thinking of giving him a 0% loan to help him pay off the Parent PLUS loan. And then over time, he'd pay me back. And then over time, I'd have to save up more to, again for the house. I have no debt, and we both already have significant contributions to our retirement accounts. We're stationed on opposite coasts right now. And the only way for us to ensure that we will be stationed in the same place for the next three years is if we legally get married by the end of the summer. I don't think you're coming to me for marriage advice though, right? Right, <laughs> Shraddha? Okay, here's what I think. And this may be surprising to you, but I don't think you should touch his loans. I think this is his department. I think this is his responsibility. And if he can afford to pay it off in two years, two years, it'll go by quickly. Save your money. You've done really well saving your own money for your goals, which hopefully will be your goal and his goal one day. But you're not married. You're just dating. I know things are serious, but you're on opposite coasts and life's pretty much kind of you know, up in the air right now with you guys being stationed on opposite coasts. Do not pay his debt off. Don't give him a loan. Just make him pay it off. I know that we want to help our loved ones. It's hard to feel like you can help someone and then you don't help them. It feels almost like you're being unloving or dismissive. But I think that what you're doing instead is offering some tough love. You are saying, look, I I know you can do this and you will do this. Be there to support him right? As opposed to writing him a blank check. I know you're going to give him a loan and it's, but, but that makes it a little bit messier. And then he's not going to feel perhaps as compelled to pay it down aggressively, right? Right now the loan has some serious terms and there's a serious bank associated with it. And I'm sure they're going to follow up with him if he's ever late, if he's ever falling behind, if he's ever late or falling behind with you as the bank, what would happen then? That would get uncomfortable, but I guarantee that you wouldn't say anything right away because you're a nice person. So just keep it clean. Keep his debt, his debt, and your situation, your situation, okay? And I think the best role for you to play here is as someone who supports him. You did a great job of showing him the calculations. That's awesome. You really opened his eyes to what was actually happening. And I think that is phenomenal. That's really being a partner. Otherwise, by giving him the 0% loan or paying off the debt, it's like, that's very nice of you. But at the price of forfeiting your savings for a goal that you've saved very hard for, a home in your future, I feel like that's really painful. That would really pain me. And that's not even my money. So how would that make you feel? Yeah. And how would that, I'm sure he wouldn't want that for you either, right? But this is really nice of you. This is really thoughtful of you. 
And I think that it's great that your mind went there. But if you were my girlfriend, I would say, keep your money. If you were married, okay, maybe a little bit different, but you're not married, you're just dating. And he can pay this off in the next two years, like you said. So let him pay it off in the next two years. That'll go by quickly. All right, good luck to the both of you. Thank you for your question. Okay, question here from Emily on Instagram. Hi, Emily. She says, Farnoosh, I have really been enjoying your Ask Farnoosh Friday podcasts. And in your most recent one, you mentioned how you like to answer questions from people at a crossroads. So I thought that I'd pose our 2020 situation to you. My husband recently earned his PhD in a humanities field, and we are in the exhausting season of applying for academic faculty jobs. Provided he gets one, fingers crossed, we will be moving across the country this summer. We have been living in student housing with our two kids for years, and we're itching to be homeowners. However, I don't want to rush into it. We have been saving our pennies for a down payment and have a good and to have good credit, but I may not have a job immediately upon our move. I'm a teacher and I'm going to find something eventually. The question is this, do we buy a house right away when we relocate this summer or is it more prudent to rent for a while, continue to save and get the lay of the land in the new city before taking the home buying plunge? Well, you said it, Emily. I was You took the words right out of my mouth. There are so many benefits to renting when you're going to a new town, a new city, relocating. That's a lot, right? And you don't know where the grocery store is or you don't know your routine yet. And so you're going to then buy a house, which might be a lovely house, but then you pick the wrong neighborhood. You pick the worst street. You picked a part of town that is so far removed from everywhere that you're hanging out that you start to regret it. That happens. You know, we kind of were at this similar crossroads where we weren't going across the country. You're going just over to New Jersey to a town that, you know, obviously is new to us. Not that new though. I mean, we've been going back and forth over the years. We have friends who live in the town and we're open to both renting or buying. Like we're looking at purchasing right now because there aren't a lot of rentals on the market. But if push comes to shove and we don't find that kind of great home that we're looking for at the right price. I'm not I'm not buying a house just to buy a house. We are going to be in a condo or an apartment or an Airbnb. That's my mentality. You know, I think that buying a home is serious business. And I don't want to make a mistake that could have been prevented. You know, it's not fun to move to a rental and then move to your house that you're going to buy. It's a lot easier to just move into the house you're going to buy, but it's worth it in the long run if it necessarily means that you're going to be able to find the, the home that's the right the right fit for you, the best fit for you. It will afford you time to look for a job and not be worried about, you know, the mortgage and then of course the property taxes and the maintenance because being a homeowner is not just the housing cost every month, right? It's the maintenance, the taxes, the insurance. And if you're not working, that could add some additional financial pressure uh, to your family and It can all be avoided if you just focus on maybe renting for the first year, you know, finding something that's way well below your means that will give you a chance to sort of get the lay of the land, put a lot of your stuff in storage. If the house, the apartment's too small or what have you, or the house doesn't fit all your stuff, that's what we're doing. We're putting a lot of stuff in storage for now. We're renting in Brooklyn until the end of the school year. After we've sold our home, we close this month, and then we're going to dedicate the spring to finding a house to buy in this town in New Jersey. And if we don't find anything that we love, we're going to rent because we know we have to be in New Jersey 
come school year in the fall, but that doesn't mean we have to be homeowners. We can rent. It'll be fine. Trust me. But I think taking your time is the right thing to do. And you know it. I hope that I was just here to reaffirm what what you and your husband are probably already thinking. Thanks for listening. Okay, next question is from a friend on Instagram. Farnoosh, first of all, congratulations on your 1000th episode. She says, I'm listening right now. Oh my gosh, no pressure. She says, I went to bingo night, but I didn't have the chance to say hi. Oh, I'm so sorry. What a bummer. But thank you for coming to bingo night. That was a blast. So here's the question. She says, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to get offered a job this week and they'll want me to start within the month. I have about $15,000 in bonuses headed my way that I'm going to miss out on if I leave my job in order to take the next job. Is it appropriate to bring this up? How should I consider potential losses of bonuses versus salary considerations So switching jobs during bonus payouts. Yeah, that's always tough. Could you adjust the start date? (laughs) I mean, really just so you get the bonus and then you start the next day at the new job. That's number one. Number two, yeah, you might want to say to the new employer, quite frankly, I want to work here. That's going to happen. But here's my dilemma. You know, I've been with my company for these numbers of years. I've worked really hard there this year. I'm set for a bonus that's going to be pretty substantial. And I would hate to forfeit that uh, before coming here. But if you think there's a way where we could increase my salary to make up for that, you know, I think that's worth a conversation. I don't think that there should be any demands or expectations, obviously, from the new employer to pay that instead of your employer to pay that to you. But if it's just maybe a change in start time, start date, you know, that would be great. Is the salary $15,000 more than what you're currently making? I mean, that's different than getting a $15,000 bonus. But if it is a substantial raise, then maybe that's just what you have to come to terms with, right? So you're going to give up this bonus, but you'll be making more every single year once you leave. That's another thing to think about. But number one, see if you can adjust the time, the start time. And yeah, I would be very transparent with the new employer and say that I would like to adjust the start time because I'm going to forfeit a substantial bonus that I have really worked hard to earn this year. You know what? Instead of saying, can you pay for it or can you cover it? Say, what would you do if you were in my shoes? I always like that, you know, asking people for their advice. Instead of saying, uh, you know, what can you do? Say, what would you do if you were in my shoes? Use that script. Let me know how it goes too. I'm really curious. Thanks for your question. All right, question here from Heidi. Heidi asks, Farnoosh, I'm in my late 20s and I have a very small savings account and I have college debt, a car loan, some credit card debt, all that I pay the minimum balance for or more each month. I'm finally getting to a place where my salary and side hustle money will help me wipe out my credit card debt, my card, my car debt all this year. I've always lived paycheck to paycheck and long waited the day all my money wouldn't go to rent and bills. But now I'm getting a very generous bonus from work and I'm stuck. Do I speed up some of my credit card payments with that money or start a savings account? I feel like I'm turning a corner with my debt under control, but I'm unsure of what to do with that extra dough. And I feel so weird about that. I know. Mo money, mo problems, right? Right, Heidi? Okay, so if you have zero in rainy day savings, I would take some of that bonus and maybe take a few thousand of that and just put it in a savings account and don't touch it, okay? 
eventually work your way towards getting a three to six month rainy day account where your expenses times three, times four, times five months is saved for you somewhere liquid and there in case of an emergency. But if you're getting this nice chunk of change, take a couple thousand, three, I don't know how much it is here. So maybe less, maybe more, but take like 10, 15% of it, 20% of it and put it in savings. The rest I would put towards debt, especially that credit card debt. If it's high interest, the car loan, if it's high interest, be nice to get out of debt soon. And then here's the other trick. Okay. Once the debt is out of the picture, Pretend it's still in the picture. Pretend you still have those monthly minimums, but rather than, of course, putting it towards the debt, which doesn't exist anymore, put it into savings. Because here's what's great about right now, the fact that you have debt is not great, but you are in the habit of making those payments. You're making room for those payments. So when the debt is gone, keep making room for those payments, just put them into savings. But having this windfall, I want you to take some of that, carve some of that, out and just put it into a savings account. Because what we're learning is that people in this country don't even have a thousand bucks to cover an emergency. They have to go into credit card debt to cover an emergency, which is really scary when you think about it. Because we know that when life really shakes things up, sometimes it's more than just a thousand dollars, right? Well, we're lucky if it's less than a thousand dollars. So that's what I would do. And Great job, Heidi. This is awesome. I love that you're making such advances here. Okay, next question is from Jen. Jen on Instagram says, I have a question. I'm in my mid-30s with kids. My husband and I are all set with term life insurance. But a few years back, my parents told me about a variable whole life plan that they took out for me when I was a kid. They still pay the premiums, but the death benefit isn't that large compared to the term that I've purchased. Should we surrender the policy and take the invested assets out about $22,000? Sounds like you might want to do that, Jen. I, I don't see why you would need this additional insurance policy. It really stinks that your parents have been paying into it all these years and only now have told you about it. Definitely a conversation to have with them. I don't know how these whole life insurance plans work. Can they transfer the beneficiary to someone else? who might need it more in the family? Could they transfer it to themselves? But if this is just one of those tough situations where you either have to keep paying the premium or cut your losses and take out this $22,000, I might cut my losses because that's a lot of more payments, a lot of more premiums to be paying, right? For the rest of your life. So have a conversation with your parents they might have some thoughts on this. And since they were the ones who took it out, they might have more information on what is allowed. Great that you guys have life insurance as parents, very important. And thanks so much for listening to the show. And that's a wrap, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the show this Friday. It's been quite the week. I could take a nap. I could really use a nap, seriously. But I'm so grateful to each and every one of you. I want to just say that in January of this year, we had a record-breaking month, more downloads in January than we've had in any month since we started. So what does that say? Just keep on keeping on, right? Just keep on doing the show, Farnoosh, because it's working. People are listening. People are continuing to find the content valuable and life-changing. And I really can't do the show without you. So I love getting feedback from you. Continue to leave reviews on the iTunes page and I'll continue to pick winners for the free 15-minute money sessions with me. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and for your questions. I hope your weekend is so money. Money.